welcome to the Christchurch Winston-Salem podcast. To learn more about Christchurch, visit us at ChristchurchWS.org. Subscribe to our podcast at our website, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. Merry Christmas. I get to, uh, once again, two years, uh, two years ago, I preached this same text uh, this same Sunday, and the joke was on me uh, because there are a lot of things going on in all of these texts. There's no way to get around the difficulty of the high and lofty theology of our readings this wonderful first Sunday of Christmas. Merry Christmas. It was the best of times, and it was the worst of times. That's a, that's a famous beginning to a book that I haven't read. Oh, the delight of children at Christmas. Oh, the whining of children at Christmas. I can think of one thing worse than the whining of children at Christmas. The whining of adults. Some of us are better at hiding our whining, but every one of us knows when so-and-so has the sulks. We all join in on the Christmas choreography, walking on eggshells around them. Over the years, I have learned most of my triggers, my Christmas triggers, so I artfully order my holiday season so that I can convince everyone that I'm not a big selfish whiner. After all, I'm a grown-up. See, every generation is bad at being adults. My generation of adults, we whine about responsibility and call it adulting. Some of us write introductions to sermons that make us feel really great, whining about the people who whine about adulting. Merry Christmas. (laughs) Right at the center of our sermon text, in Paul's letter to the Galatians, the apostle uses this metaphor, this metaphor of the plot of human life, of growing up. There were some people in Galatia that didn't want to grow up into the gospel of grace. They understandably didn't want to leave the house. They were stuck in a state of perpetual adolescence, never wanting to leave. And Paul calls this perpetual pre-adulthood slavery. He calls it slavery. Merry Christmas. (laughs) Rather than being a good and necessary guardian before growing up and receiving their inheritance, the law had become a prison. They were stuck. They began with the law, and they could not leave the law. Now, Paul's metaphor about growing up, the plot of the human life is not my sermon. I'm not going to lay out a bunch of developmental psychology and talk about lags in development and all that fun stuff. I would love to. I I read a few things this week uh, thinking that I would, but I decided not to for your sakes and for mine. Amen. The plot of human life in Paul's metaphor is laid on top 
of the plot of the Bible in Galatians, okay? If we get the plot wrong, if the story is out of order, then the ending will be a disaster. In other words, if we start with the law, we end with the law, okay? So what is the plot of the Bible? Or if you like to crochet like my wife, um, what is the pattern of the Bible? That's, that, that is the one question I have this morning. What is the plot of the Bible and why does that plot matter for me? And here is the answer. Here is the main point of the sermon. The plot of the Bible is this. Gospel first. Gospel first, which leads to the guardian of the law, which then leads to the gospel. Okay? Let me show you from Scripture. John chapter 1. You guys are very familiar with this. We heard it read this morning by Deacon Ann. In the beginning, okay? In the beginning, the pattern is established. In Jesus, verse 4, was the life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So in the beginning, we have the light of Christ. Okay, and then verse 6, John in verse 7, he came as a witness, to bear witness about the light, that light that came before. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. Verse 9, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Okay, so we have light, we have the gospel, God's gracious gift in creation through Jesus, and then we have John who bore witness about the light, the last of the prophets, and he looks forward to the light that was going to come into the world. Look with me at verse 15. John bore witness about him and cried out, this was he whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. Okay? So there's... I've been confused all week, so forgive me. I think I'm probably going to be more confusing than helpful this morning. But listen, John says that he who ranks before me comes after me. And the reason he ranks before me is because he came before me. Okay, so it starts with good news gospel. Then it goes through John as a mediator, as a as a witness to this gospel so that the gospel can then come into the world. And then in verse 16, for from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. The grace of the gospel in creation through Jesus came first for the law was given then through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So can you see this pattern? Gospel, then guardian, then gospel. Flip over with me to Galatians. Now, Galatians starts with some pretty serious language, and I just want to call our attention to it. In Galatians chapter 1, Paul declares those who preach a different story, a different gospel, they're not preaching a gospel. It's not a gospel, he says. These people will be utterly destroyed. He uses the same language that the Old Testament writers talk about holy war, utter destruction, anathema. So this is a very serious business. And in case you think that you are free from this temptation, the apostle Peter in chapter two falls prey to this exact same story. He starts telling a different story and Paul says, nah, you can't do it. And even Paul's 
closest friend and companion, Barnabas, falls prey to this, okay? So if you think you uh, actually follow the true story, you start with gospel and you don't start with law, uh, be warned by the example of Peter and Barnabas. Look with me at Galatians chapter 3. I want to show, show this to you very simply. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 3. Here's, here's the first hint of this gospel coming before. Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? And in, skipping down to verse 8, the Scripture, the whole Bible, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. And if you don't get the point of the ordering of the gospel, skip down to verse 17. The law which came 430 years after the promise. Verse 18, for if the inheritance comes by the law, it no longer comes by promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. Jesus is the light of the world at Christmas only if he is not first the light of the world at creation. Jesus ranks before John, and unless he comes before John, he cannot come after John. This is the ordering here. If the inheritance and the promise was not given to Abraham first, then we would be stuck in the law, okay? Look with me at verse 23, okay? Now, there's a, few, there's a few metaphors laying on top of each other here, okay? If we start with the law first, if we start with the law first, we end with the law, i.e. imprisonment, okay? There's similarities, though, with that of a guardian, okay? So if we start with grace first and we go to this stage of development, of growing up with a guardian to be sent out into the world to receive the inheritance of a son, there are similarities going on at the same time. Look with me at verse 23. Now before faith came, we were held under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then... The law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. So before faith came, he just said that faith came through Abraham first, okay? So we have to recognize that the gospel story starts with faith. It moves through this state of waiting, the state of growing up into grace so that when Christ comes into the world, we can grow up past this state of perpetual adolescence and we can grow into this state of inheritance as sons. And because you are sons, verse of chapter 4, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. You see, if the Bible begins with law, the plot of the Bible ends with law. 
This is not good news. If the plot of the Bible begins with gospel, then the law becomes our guardian, a good and necessary structure for a season where we learn to love the law of Christ and then in the end receive the promised inheritance as adopted sons and daughters. You might have to listen to that again to catch all that. The plot of the Bible is pretty simple. Gospel, guardian, and then gospel. Another way to say this is adoption, then household structure, and then inheritance. The plot of the gospel is born of the Spirit, then live by the Spirit, and receive the fruits of the Spirit. So why does the plot matter for you and for me? Every one of us in our fallen and sinful nature, we begin our stories with law. We live by law and we end under law. We all default to our strength of will. We want to earn it. We want to earn it. And this is not gospel. Many of us love to give gifts at Christmas. Still more of us love to exchange gifts at Christmas, but not very many of us love to receive gifts at Christmas. We actually, we actually hate that. We bristle. In the normal chaos of Christmas, we forget, we forgot to buy a gift for everyone on our list. Surprise, surprise. My delightful sister Emily and my brother Tommy gave Jody and me a very thoughtful gift. And rather than receive this gift with joy, the whole time I felt bad because I forgot to buy them a present. To receive a gracious gift first, for the gospel to be the beginning of the story, to receive with thankfulness is truly a gift of the Spirit. I begin with law so naturally. Hear this, beginning with gospel is impossible without the Spirit. If I could receive gifts like my kids receive gifts, not feeling any need to reciprocate or to earn the present, then I would reap love and joy and peace, the fruits of the Spirit. And after receiving their gift, with true joy, then I could be like my son Jacob and I could run back to my room and make a picture book with a whole heart and run back to the giver with my gift. See, without the grace of the Spirit, we cannot receive or believe the gospel first. And so I want to end with three little conversations of application. Little conversations that you will have, you probably already have had some, uh, and, I, and I want to end with this, applying this gospel pattern to our life. Gospel, then the grace of the guardian that we grow up into the gospel again. When someone begins to speak to you about the blessing of their job or their children, any blessing at all, and jealousy and envy are stirred up within you, then you are beginning that conversation with law. 
You're beginning that conversation with law. Jealousy and envy will devour you and your friendships. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. So rather than begin with law that produces devouring and consumption of one another, begin with the law of love. Begin with love and in love serve them and their blessings the account and conversation of their blessings becomes your shared blessing. Here's another conversation. When a friend or a family member confidently declares their perfect theology, their airtight political philosophy, their unassailable cultural opinions, if your first impulse is dissension or conceit, If strife is stirred up in your soul, then even your gracious theology begins with law. Galatians chapter three, chapter six and verse three. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. And so go into that conversation asking the spirit for the grace to begin with patience and kindness and self-control. And maybe don't respond. That might, that might be a helpful way to go. Uh, and lastly, the last conversation where we can apply this pattern of the gospel story in our lives today. When you are daily confronted with the sin of your children, or just simply the lack of wisdom of your children, the sin of your spouse, or the lack of wisdom of your spouse, I have that in spades. The sin of your pastor or the lack of wisdom of your pastor. Rather than respond first with anger and enmity, give them grace. Begin the conversation with grace. Chapter 6 and verse 1. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. If we begin the Christmas story with our default, if we begin our conversations and our days with the law, then that's where the story will end, under the law in a state of perpetual adolescence. And that's just plain annoying. The gospel isn't just the end of the story. It is the beginning and the middle and the end of the story. Even the law comes alive as a guardian in Christ. So hear the good news this morning. We begin by the Spirit. We live by the Spirit. We walk in the Spirit, fulfilling the law of Christ. And in the end, we receive the inheritance, the fruit of the Spirit. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ 
be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Christchurch, visit us at ChristchurchWS.org. Subscribe to our podcast at our website, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts. 